tieflings and tabaxi, high elves and halflings, barbarians and bards. Welcome back to Raw School. Open up your player's handbook as we take another deep dive into the magical and mystical world of Dungeons and Dragons. Class is now in session. Class is now in session. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to Raw School, episode five. Yeah, I believe. Wow. We are zipping right through it. Soon our listeners will be ready to play. So today we are going to be talking about a very exciting topic, races. uh, And I mean that in the D&D world. (laughs) Nothing, nothing controversial here. (laughs) Or like horse races. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, Character race. Character race. And we have a very special guest joining us today. It's yes. Andrew. Hello. Uh, if you listen to Raw and Order, he was with us earlier this week for our Raw and Order episode, and he has graciously agreed to be with us for the next couple of weeks for Raw School as well. So gracious. So yes. Gracious. <laughs> he looks really excited to be here. Associate us Professor talk. Andrew. <laughs> No, again, it's great being here and again, like just feel super honored and I love helping share this game um, in as much as I can and sort of how much I love this game, with, especially with new players. I think it's a really great idea that you all have. Yeah, Andrew was kind enough to be one of the people that held my hand through my first uh, first few <laughs> games there. So I know that he's a great teacher for brand new players. That didn't um, take anyway, too we're... much handholding. You're... <laughs> We're good for well, yeah, except when Anna started casting higher level spells that she didn't have access. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. whatever. You guys won't make my mistakes, okay? <laughs> anyway, we're going to start off talking today about races, um, character races. So when you're building a new character, the big two questions you want to ask is what race do I want to play and what class do I want to play? Uh, and we're going to start off with races because it's chapter two in the player's handbook. Um, But obviously, when you guys are creating your characters, if there is a particular class you want to play, start there. You don't have to start by picking your race. You can start by picking whatever you want and then build your character as you go. But because races came first in the player's handbook, we're going to start there. Uh, And when we talk about races, what do we mean? What Mm -hmm. is the point of picking among different races? So the races as provided in the book... They do a lot of things for you. They'll help you um, based on the description that's included in the player's handbook. They can help create your backstories and they also provide you with relevant information um, pretty much about the like like the statistics and demographics of your character because it'll give you what what's the age range to the race that I am playing you know what what size is this character Mm -hmm. how fast can this character move what languages do I know as this character Um, it also each race gives you a little boost in one of the six ability scores. Um, So depending on how you want to put your character together, what you want that character to be able to do, your race can help you um, be better at a particular skill. Yeah. And one or more of the ability scores, some even up to three different ability scores. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And also maybe just a clarifying point for new players. You might hear the word race and think, well, that's weird. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, if you've ever played a video game, if you've ever played another tabletop RPG, we really mean what we, what we as human beings would call like species, like intelligent, sentient, sapient species. But um, in the D and D world, they just call it race. And by way of example, I mean, the races included in the book are like dwarf, elf, half elf, half orc, you could be a human. Um, what else can you be? Um, in, in expanded versions, you can also be uh, things like tabaxi, sort of cat people. And there's all sorts of different. Um, there's also like bird people. And so there's this whole dragon thing. people. Yeah. Listen dragonborns um, or half dragon. Like these are sort of all expansions of this idea, kind of supporting this idea. It's like it's probably more species than, mm-hmm. you know, race right. per se. However, we are going to limit our discussion today to just the races that are in the player's handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you are interested in some of the other races, they can be found in the other supplemental books like Xanathar's Guide to Everything um, uh, and... <laughs> Volos? Yeah, or... there's, a co- there's a couple in Volos. Um, <laughs> so. um, Tasha's has more sub races, which is something that we'll go into a little bit later, but Mm -hmm. any race that you pick has something that's called a sub race, which even, which gives you even more particularized skills and particularized abilities. Um, And it, it helps make a more well-rounded, better built character. Yeah. Yeah. And consistently um, they also produce or publish on a regular basis sort of test kind of material. And you see they're called Unearthed Arcana. And so that's where a lot of the newer stuff will actually be first tested. And so that's how we got things like Warforged, essentially like robot people um, and all <laughs> right, sorts of yeah. cool stuff. What? There's yeah. robot people? There yeah. Are robot oh my yeah. God. Yeah. It was introduced in Eberron, which yeah. is like a different planet altogether. Mm-hmm. So. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So pester your DMs of can we use Unearthed Arcana? And some of them might say yes. <laughs> but but not mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I... Oh, you mean not your campaign? Or no, you're talking yeah, about... Yeah, no, me. no. I'm saying my players shouldn't pester me. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were saying not your DM, which is oh, me. And no, I was like, yeah. oh, well, no, Unearthed okay. Arcana. No, you can, you can yeah. definitely pester Joe. He'll yeah. let you do whatever yeah. you want. Well, within reason. Okay. Um... Yeah, so should we just sort of like jump into just a brief little little discussion of each of the main races that are in the player's handbook and then yeah, like talk let's about do it. picking a race generally? Sure. So we'll start off with dwarf. Dwarf. So I I really <laughs> so I love players who play dwarves. I have never been a very good dwarf. Um and kind of because to me like this idea of a dwarf is sort of like really strong, tough, stout, like willing to kind of do all the like enjoying like hard labor in a lot of ways and sort of just being big hearted um and in some ways very clan uh clan like a lot of dwarves mm-hmm. tend to really focus on clans and a lot of their social systems not only in D, but then also other fantasy systems tend to really focus on that um i've just never been good at playing a character like that and i've always wished i could so what i think is interesting is Almost everyone plays a very stereotypical dwarf. Yes, in that they are all like like miners, smiths, and yeah. miners, and, and they Scottish. all have like a Scottish brogue accent. Yeah, newsflash, 
um, this bitch can't do a Scottish folk accent. <laughs> Me neither. Because nope. it always turns to Russian. So guess what? I have a dwarf named Brofdil, yeah. and he's yeah. lovely. Yeah. He has a really big heart, and he's wonderful, but he talks like this and has the Russian accent. Yeah. And I love him so much. And I really like that that variation. So like, while there is a lot of value and enjoyment out of, sort of the stereotypical kind of dwarf or whatever, like when players really get invested or when I feel like the players really get creative about their characters, they really think about like, wait, if my character's a dwarf, like where did he come from? Like, what does he drink? What does he eat? Like, what is his job? How did he end Rob. up here? <laughs> Vodka. When I think of dwarf, I think of stout and sturdy, mm-hmm. right? So no matter how you're how you're playing the actual character itself, if you want somebody that's got, you know, a compact body with a lot of force, think dwarf, I would say. Um, their ability score increases constitution, so their mm-hmm. their survivability is strong. And uh, depending on what sub race of dwarf you pick, mm-hmm. um, they can be they can be really strong, physically speaking. But stout and sturdy is what comes to mind when I think of dwarf. Mm-hmm. And dwarves also have uh, dwarven resistance, so they have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned, and they have resistance to poison damage, which means when you take poison damage, you only take half. Yes. Which is awesome. Which is mm-hmm. massive. Um, the One of the other abilities I like, as a DM, I hate because it screws up so many of my plans, is that dwarves come with dark vision. Um, essentially, they like for a certain limited like amount of space, it looks like, what, 60 feet. Um, 60 feet yeah they can see in dim light and like as a dm you love work like trying to set up surprises and traps for your players but i currently am running a campaign with like half of my players have dark vision and i'm like <laughs> okay fine you see it no surprise Robert. no surprises <laughs> here <laughs> yeah that's why you gotta get magical darkness dude uh magical two, darkness two of them can see in magical darkness <laughs> okay. well, i hate that <laughs> devil sight it's a great yeah it's amazing yeah, and and sort of like so to, br- to we'll just briefly maybe bring in a little bit other content, but in in other um, editions they've introduced uh, Durgar, which is at, like a dark dwarf basically. Um, now, of course, we you know Anna and I talked in our very first episode about racial stereotypes um, and and whatnot that that D and D has been criticized for in a game um, uh, or as a game. Uh, so these uh, like dark dwarves, quote unquote, um, don't have to be played as evil, even though that's sort of in the in the canon. That's sort of how they're depicted. Um, but yeah, there's there's all sorts of fun little hmm. things you could do. I love dwarves. I think playing that like big hearted, like like happy, just joyous kind of uh, character is so much fun to do. So. One thing I think to keep in mind, and I think this will kind of pop up uh, as we go across the different races, is that dwarves are shorter. So therefore, their speed actually reflects that. So typically yes. kind of a, an average human-sized person in D&D gets to move in one move action in 30 feet. Uh, some of our shorter folks do not. They move at 25. And while right. five feet doesn't sound like a big difference, <laughs> when it really matters in the middle of a combat, it really, really matters. Yeah. Excellent. So shall we move All on right. to elves? Elves. Elves. Now everyone, everyone plays elves with, oh yes, I'm an elf. I talk like this. I'm I have an a elf. British, I'm an elf. I have a British I feel like accent. I'm being judged. I definitely <laughs> play hey, you, you play a half elf with a British accent. Everyone. Because <laughs> I know 
everyone yeah. who's listening to this, everyone who's ever played an elf, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't say you've never done it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but of course you can, hey, play your elf however you want. If you want to have your, your elf talk like this, be like, yo, my name's Johnny. I'm an elf. I'm from, I'm from the forest. From, then, hey, that's how your character I'm from talks. the forest. I I'm that. from the okay. forest. All right? F-Town. Okay. <laughs> well, when I think of elves, I think lithe and graceful is what I think. And their, mm. I think, natural ability scores a boost to dexterity. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where I think I get the graceful from. But I imagine all elves are a little bit like Legolas, frankly. So that's yeah. where that stereotype <laughs> yeah. comes from. <laughs> Again, that's you fair, and I think everyone right. else. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, like fantasy tropes are really common and Mm. it's hard for us. I mean, Andrew, maybe there's a psychological explanation for this, but it's very hard for us to like get those biases and stuff out of our minds. So when I'm a DM, I always revert to a British accent for any character just because I'm like fantasy British. Got it. And it's like, no, that's not the case. That's because brains are lazy. Basically, we go, I don't know. Okay, I don't British. Like, that's it. (laughs) That's as far as my brain wants to go. And gay, I talk like this. Hello. That's, that's why Chabby all my goblins British. come from New Jersey. Like, <laughs> just well, hey, what is this? To be fair, to be fair, New Jersey is kind of filled with a bunch of goblins. All right. Um, Sorry, Jersey listeners. I'm a New Yorker. Listen, Jersey, you know, I'm just oh joking, but at the at the end of the day, I kind of mean it a little Dear bit. Dear Anna so and Joe. <laughs> Anna and Joe. Oh Stop God. shitting on Jersey. Okay. Listen, Jersey, we can at least both agree that. Well, you like an airport, are, but neither of us are Staten Island, all right? No. Okay. That's all that matters. All right. Sure. Um, so I I love elves because they have these fey ancestry um uh, uh yeah. resistance. So you have advantage on saving throws against being charmed, and magic can't put you to sleep. And not only can it not put you to sleep, but elves don't need to fucking sleep. That's That's right. right. Yeah. So whereas a normal character requires six hours of sleep, an elf just sits in a trance for four hours and it's fucking great. So So you can rest for a shorter period. So I've always thought about the trance ability as this like weird, creepy aspect of elves who like don't <laughs> sleep, but they just sit there and just. If you don't s- want to be a creeper, yeah, they don't just pick stare elves. at you. Like they just <laughs> open eyes and just sit there and stare at the wall. Like, okay, I'm gonna go to sleep now. Like, just sit there. <laughs> and Joe used a term that I don't know that we have covered, but he said, <gasps> "Fey ancestry gives you advantage on saving throws." Yeah. What does advantage mean? You might be wondering. It means that you get to roll two d20s and take the higher number. Mm-hmm. And consequently, disadvantage means you roll two d20s and take the lower number. So that's right. Yeah. As a as a mechanic, advantage built into a character is a massive well advantage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice choice of words there. Well named. And a saving throw is when something is attacking you. And you have to react in order to prevent the adverse effect from happening to you. So a saving throw against being charmed means some other creature is trying to charm you and you have to react in order to not be charmed. Yeah. So, Anna, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, again, it's hard to separate all of these things into discrete topics, but... When thinking about a race, you often are thinking about a class as well. So Anna, your um, your character named Mr. R, because we don't know 
their name. <laughs> Mr. R. Mr. R. Um, we don't know their name, um, but you had a very specific reason for picking the subrace of the wood elf. Um, I did. Could you could you maybe just briefly explain why you did that? Absolutely. So I I knew I wanted to play a rogue. And rogues um, have this great just like ability benefit that if they are hidden, then they get something called sneak attack, which lets them roll an additional uh, six sided die to add to their damage. So, well, if they are hidden, then they gain that advantage. Right. So I picked a wood elf because with a wood elf, you get mask of the wild. And that literally means I can attempt to hide even when I'm only lightly obscured by foliage. Okay, so heavy rain, falling snow, mist, whatever. And the location that the that our campaign is, is called Icewind Dale. And it literally blizzards like constantly. So my character as a rogue does not have to try very hard because he is a wood elf to hide. Um, I naturally have the ability to attempt to hide even when there is just some snow falling down. Um, and because of that, that's why I picked a wood elf because I knew it would give me a boost to yeah. what my class already gives me. And on, on top of that, Anna, would you like to, would you like to say <laughs> something about fleet of foot? Because being a wood elf also gives you mm. that extra bonus five feet of speed. That's right. So in it, Instead of the average 30 feet that most most uh, creatures get, uh, picking Wood Elf gave me 35 feet. And uh, as Andrew told us earlier, it's just five feet, but it can make a world of difference. It does, <laughs> definitely. Um, so in the player's handbook, there's also this subrace called Drow, which similar to the Duragar of the, the, the Dwarven variety, it's sort of considered a dark elf. Now, again... In the canon, portrayed as evil or bad or whatever, doesn't have to be. The interesting thing, though, is that here is where you get a hint of of really like the race can have consequences, both good and bad. So uh, drow, because they live underground, have something called sunlight sensitivity. So you have disadvantage on attack rolls and perception checks that rely on sight when you the target of your attack or whatever you are trying to perceive is in direct sunlight. Now, most DMs might work with you on maybe you get an item that that deflects that somehow, but an important thing to consider when you're trying to pick a race is that not everything that comes with the race will be, you know, a positive thing. Right. Awesome. Shall we continue on to halflings? Uh, yeah. One one quick thing about sure, elves yeah. that I really like is that elf subraces um, come with, or essentially it's baked into elves, is that you get elven weapons. Um, yes. Elven weapon training yeah. is a really handy way to build a character. If you're thinking, oh, I want to build a character that uses this weapon. Um, because elven weapon training means that you already have proficiency with long swords, short swords, short bows, and long bows. Um, those are pretty standard and really good weapons to start with to start mm -hmm. with and be able to use from the get-go with a character. And so I've definitely sometimes built a character around the fact that like I want to be able to use long bows for free. <laughs> so yes. right. it's an elf. <laughs> awesome. Well we'll we'll now move on to halflings, which is the next uh, race mentioned in the book. So, yeah, similar to dwarfs, halflings, they're smaller in stature, so they only have 25 feet of movement. But halflings have one of the most overpowered abilities, and it is called halfling luck, which means that uh, uh, 
a halfling, if you roll a one on an attack roll, a saving throw, or an ability check, you get to re-roll it, and you must take the new result. So unless the second result is also a one, which the probability of that happening is only 5%, you essentially get advantage on everything if you roll a one. It's fucking crazy, and it drives DMs <laughs> absolutely nuts, especially when you consider that there is a feat you can take, and we'll talk about feats later. I'm getting heated. You can hear it in my voice. So um, <laughs> that, that only lets you do that three times per long rest. So that is a very powerful ability. So, Joe, I have a tip as a DM. One way I've found to actually get rid of that frustration around halfling luck is to kill your halfling players, right? I <laughs> yeah, agree. You're all a new character. For sure. <laughs> Just an entire city where halflings are banned. Yeah, not uh. so lucky now, piece of shit. And then they get killed. <laughs> That's session zero. <laughs> yep, session zero. No, Sorry. Um, so I've act like I wish I could give credit to whoever I saw like suggest this, and I thought it was genius when I read it. Was essentially as a DM to describe what halfling luck looks like, um, right? Because normally when we re when we have the player re-roll, we just take it and we go, okay, that happened. Well, if you think about it, if we're playing this idea of halfling luck, if I throw my dagger and it just goes straight into like it goes straight into the floor for my first one halfling luck kicks in and for example then that blade just breaks off and then just goes flying into the eye of the tiger that's chasing me oh. right so it's this really cool idea as you describe it of it's not just like oh you redo reality it's genuinely like these crazy stupid mistakes that happen that halflings for whatever reason are just able to get away with i mean right narratively i mean as a player i fucking love it Are you kidding me yeah, yeah. Um, it's great uh, but as a DM, it can really be frustrating. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I like that, though, yeah. as narratively, the DM can be like, well, that was lucky. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, another fun fact about halflings, these are essentially hobbits, but the creators of D&D couldn't call them hobbits because J.R.R. Tolkien already used that term. Yes. So he said, so they Too said, true. all right, they're called halflings. <laughs> but they are hobbits. Literally, literally, that's exactly where they came from. Um, playing a halfling... Uh, just like dwarves are stereotypically Scottish, halflings tend to be very stereotypically Irish. Um, because the way the halflings are described is sort of joyous and liking music and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Stereotype, stereotype, stereotype. Again, as a player and as you a DM. You do you. Yeah, as a <laughs> player and as a DM, I am a big fan of people who sort of play off of that or kind of think about, again, where does my character come from? What do they like? And kind of how does that inform uh, how they talk and what they do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's move on to, oh my gosh, you could be a human. <laughs> <gasps> that's right. What? You could be a human. And you're probably thinking, well, that sounds kind of boring, but there's a lot of benefits to playing a human. Yeah. Would you like to talk about those? <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. I so, mean, the ability score increase is pretty great. Yeah. You just get a boost to every single one. <laughs> Right, you get a plus one to all your ability scores using the base human. But as a result of that, humans don't really get any other special abilities. Um, however, there's something called a variant human, uh, which actually, instead of taking a one to every ability score, you, you pick two and increase those ability scores by one. You gain proficiency in a skill and you get to pick a feat. Now, a feat is like a special ability. You can only get them at certain points in the game, um, which we won't go into right now. But sometimes these feats can have 
like really powerful effects. Yeah. Like that luck we were talking about, you can roll, uh, re-roll a d20 um, up to three times uh, with the lucky feat. Um, it's awesome. So humans can actually get that starting at first level if your DM is using the variant human, which is in the player's handbook. Yeah. And in fact, this is a lot of the reasons why a lot of DMs won't allow their players to have variant humans. Because usually what happens, what I've seen happen a lot is someone will take variant human and then take lucky. <laughs> like, and those two are usually the first that are kind of or variant human and by most at first level. And so if you, you have, get advantage <laughs> on all your saves yeah, for yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you if you get really excited about this and you go to your DM and you're like, I want to do this, right? And they say, Yeah, no. <laughs> we apologize and then just in advance, play a but halfling, hey, we've warned much you. Better anyway. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think we need to talk too much more about humans because they're boring. No. Yeah. Yeah. So Anna, I want I want you to introduce this next one. This is, I feel like, my absolute favorite race. <laughs> I love playing this race. It's Dragonborn. That's right. It's a dragon. That's a humanoid. Okay. Human plus dragon makes Dragonborn. And I, gosh, they get so much good stuff. Like, this is a great race to pick, all right? First of yeah. all, your ability score increase, you actually get it to two. You get plus two to strength, and you get plus one to charisma. Um, and also, the absolute best thing that you get when you pick Dragonborn is the breath weapon. So, you mm -hmm. actually get to be a semi-dragon. Yeah. <laughs> and you can have... A breath weapon where you expel either fire or poison or lightning or acid. I mean, depending on what type of dragon you pick, you get a weapon that literally just like you can blow fire out of your mouth or acid or lightning. And uh, it, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that While that is fun, I don't even think that's the best part. Because you also have damage resistance. You have That's resistance right. to the damage type associated with your draconic ancestry. So if you breathe fire, not only do you get to breathe fire, but for all incoming attacks that are fire-based damage, you take half damage, which is fucking awesome. So if you're a newer player and you're like, I don't know which one sounds awesome. And I'm like, oh, like all these elements are great. Yep. Pick fire or acid. Um, or it's actually, sorry, pick fire or poison. Those are two of the more common elements as players, unless your DM is doing something weird. Um, those are two of the more common elements that you're just going to run into all the time. Like things are going to firebolt you, fireball <laughs> you, try to light you on fire, throw you into lava I, pits. Like <laughs> if you can, I play a golden that, dragonborn. And I picked that because I was like, I like gold. Gold is cool. I didn't even look at this chart I like before gold. I picked. I like gold. <laughs> uh, not only is my uh, breath weapon fire, I get resistance to all fire damage. And let me tell you, I've been in the campaign now, not even a year. And both of those things have come in very, very handy. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. It's actually also kind of, it's also nice because you have draconic. Um, built in no normally uh languages don't play as much of a role per se it depends on your dm and kind of depends on your campaign but draconic out of all the sort of non-standard languages like sort of common or elvish or dwarvish or half um halfling like 
Draconic tends to be one of the more common languages that DMs t- tend to lean on. Again, <laughs> brains are lazy. And so we just go, I don't know, Draconic sounds cool as a magical language, so I'm just going to use that. Like, I've been in so many campaigns, and I make campaigns too, where I'm just like, <laughs> it's written in Draconic. Um, <laughs> there are like a million other languages. I see mine is always celestial. Like, Fuck, I have a cleric in the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just go, go. I mean, Dragonborn, <laughs> Cleric, um, and then you're covered. <laughs> awesome. Shall we move on? Let's do it. To gnomes. Yeah. Oh, gnomes. <laughs> I love gnomes. Why don't you tell us about gnomes? Well, gnomes, you know, uh, again, similar to uh, dwarves and halflings, gnomes are smaller and therefore only have 25 feet of movement. Um, however, gnomes have this amazing ability called gnome cunning. Um, so you know how we talked about elves uh, and and how they have uh, uh, resistance or, or advantage on being charmed. Well, gnomes, you have advantage on all intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws against magic. Holy fuck. That is so powerful. Like, I can't even begin to describe how many times in game you're going to have to make wisdom saving throws. And occasionally you have an intelligence and charisma saving throw. Oh my God, to have advantage of that every single time with literally no other, for no other reason than you're a gnome is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have always thought about gnomes as sort of the elves of the short people world. And so I'll sort of <laughs> yeah. explain that, right? Because it's sort of, if you think about the parallels between sort of humans and halflings, um, that sort of the, even though their stats don't necessarily match, that like halflings don't carry as much sort of inherent magic with them, just like humans. Versus elves have all this sort of extra, like, the fey ancestry and all of that stuff. And kind of the parallel short version of that is essentially gnomes. Um, So if you ever grew up with David the Gnome, this is not that gnome. Oh, right. I was just going to gush about how much I love David the Gnome, which Anna doesn't know. This is, yeah, this is not that gnome. This is more of a sort of a tinkering, kind of like, uh, gnomes tend in D&D tend to lend themselves like tinkering, spellcasting, sort of always being kind of the curious one of um, getting in magical fights. Uh, So it's really nice to have that gnome cunning with them. Yeah, I just think gnomes are... They can be so much fun in game. Yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe, and again, you fall into these tropes, but I always give my gnomes like high pitched, like fun, adorable voices. Cute little. Yeah. yeah. They're just fucking adorable. Yeah. yeah. And then also one of the folk who also get to get dark vision. So yeah. keep that in mind. That's right. And now we're going to talk about some half folks. <laughs> okay. This first one is what I think one of the best races in D&D. Also, yeah. somebody I play. <laughs> <laughs> Not a half-elf. Let's talk about half-elves. So, Anna, Iso, talk about the half-elf. Okay, so they get they get dark vision. They get charisma and can pick two other abilities to so, add So, a, a plus two to, to charisma and a plus one to two others. So, that's these are one of those, class, those races where you get three ability score improvements. That's right. Um, let's see. They get Fey Ancestry, which means they have advantage on saving throws against being charmed and magic can't put you to sleep, right? So they're getting some elven benefits despite being a half-elf. They have skill versatility, which means you get proficiency in two additional skills of your choice. Mm -hmm. 
and you speak three languages as opposed to maybe just common and elvish, you get to add one more language to your list. These are some powerful motherfuckers. <laughs> right. Now, when you think about the reason, the skill versatility to me can become so powerful. So your class is going to give you at least two skill proficiencies. Your background, which is something separate, will also give you at least two skill proficiencies. This gives you an additional two. You now have are proficient in six skills. If you're playing a bard, which is a charisma-based character, and you get that plus two to charisma, and then you get expertise in some of your skills, oh my god, I mean, a half-elf bard. That was my first character was a half-elf bard. I mean, fucking great. Iso, charisma-based character, half-elf paladin. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on top of just... Like, I think on top of having all of those things and dark vision and all of this variability, right? I, I do agree with Joe in a lot of ways that half out, like, if you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, I don't know what to play, like, this could change. Half elves are a really great way to go because they have mm -hmm. so much variance and they have so much variability that you can kind of mold them to pretty much whatever you want. Yeah. A great starter race. That's yep. what I started out with. And Iso has done me well, so. All right, let's talk about half-orcs. 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 <laughs> um, I mean, they get a ton of stuff. Yeah, half-orcs, okay, let's just talk about it. Relentless Endurance. The first time you drop to zero hit points per long rest, you get to pop back up with one hit point. Hello? Who doesn't want to do that? For free. For free. Yeah. It's, it's not a reaction. It's nothing. It's just you just, uh, you come back to life with one hit point. Every long rest. So every long rest. Um, now, of course, again, we talked about some tropes and what things they have. Savage attacks. So when you score critical, you can roll an extra damage dice. Um, menacing. You gain proficiency in intimidation. Look, you can play a half orc wizard. You can play a half orc paladin. You don't have to play a half orc barbarian or a half orc fighter. I just said half fuck fighter, half orc fighter, um, even though those are also really great abilities, but your strength score increases by two and your constitution increases by one, which means these make great martial fighters. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. No, yeah. I think you yeah. covered it really well. <laughs> yeah, no, actually. I mean, I mean, I, I I love to see people who take races like this and turn them into something that's not, you know, not not a trope. So yes. yeah, give me your fucking half orc sorcerer. Let's just fucking do it, right? Yeah, I've had player I've had players who've really played against that trope and played against that stereotype and kind of in really integrated with their characters because um like really just kind of dealing with you know the idea of like prejudice and race and kind of really helping uh express that in some way and having the character actually play that out and like how does that affect a character especially if they're not treated as well and if they ever go to a place where they are accepted if they run into a bunch of orcs or if they do run into a bunch of half orcs like how does the character play all of that stuff out you see that again in sort of place like critical role where you have a character like ford kind of yeah. talk about a little bit of his own background of being a half orc and how he was treated like that stuff is really cool yeah and he's and he and that character is a warlock which is a charisma based character so mm -hmm. again you don't have to play like something that has a really high strength just because a half orc has a high strength score but we play in a campaign which has a half-orc barbarian, but he plays it like a total marshmallow. Like he's a chef mm -hmm. and yeah. he's like the sweetest guy Joe ever. Joe. So even if yeah, you do, yeah, of course, other Joe. So even if you do go with a half-orc barbarian because you want to take advantage of that strength, yep. you don't have to play it like a 
actual barbarian. So, and speaking of overcoming tropes and stereotypes, let's move on to our last race. I love this race so much. Tiefling. Mm -hmm. Joe, you love this race. Tell us about this race. So tieflings are are humanoid creatures that actually have an infernal bloodline from the nine hells, which means they're technically like part devil. They have horns, or or I should say they can have horns. They can have tails. They can have feet that are shaped like normal human feet or that are actually like hooves. Um, They are so fucking cool. I love playing them. And of course I would be remiss to mention probably the most famous tiefling um, that exists right now is Jester Lavore from Campaign Two of Critical Role. Um, she plays a tiefling who talks like this. Yes, hello, <laughs> Jester, uh, who is a trickster cleric and um, just has just really made the race something that that doesn't have to be like evil or demonic just because mm-hmm. it has this like infernal bloodline. She is a a really chaotic, fun, loving character, um, and like. Uh, uh, like the dragonborn that gets resistance to a type of damage, tieflings naturally have resistance to fire damage. So, <laughs> your boy is resistant to fire. <laughs> and you come out of here after having just picked a race with a cantrip already yeah. in your back pocket. Yeah, you get. Yeah, it's one of the few, uh, if maybe not the only, I think one of the few, if not the only uh, races that actually just come with sort of um, spells. So the cantrip, and then as you hit different levels, you start mm-hmm. gaining even more spells. And so that's a, a, a unique uh, feature to it. Yeah, and they're I, really I, cool spells. Hellish yeah. Rebuke mm-hmm. is one of my favorite spells. Listen, it doesn't do a ton of damage. It's 3d10 fire damage, but you get to cast that at second level. It's a reaction, and mm-hmm. you don't need a spell slot. You can be a barbarian yeah, that casts free. this, right? So, And I know all of that was gibberish to sorry, those yes. of you that have no idea what any of those words mean. We'll explain them and yes. you'll know how cool it is. Basically, yeah. when when I, pl- I play a tiefling, I play Inky as my tiefling in our Icewind Dale campaign. Mm-hmm. And when he gets hit at third level, he could just go and like conjure this flame to burst and explode on the enemy within, I believe, 60 feet. And that enemy takes a bunch of damage just as a reaction. And it's fucking awesome. I love tieflings. The other cultural point I like about tieflings is if you're someone who likes dressing up, who likes like, and who likes kind of exploring and really thinking about like issues of like body image and like how other people sort of react to that. Um, tieflings are a really interesting character to work with because again, like Joe described, like you can have a tail, you can have hooves, like you can have all these different things that aren't sort of just the typical humanoid um, that you can actually sort of uh, invest in and kind of take pride in and just kind of be really creative about. Yeah. And also your skin is going to be some funky color. Yeah, you can have you want. yeah, basically whatever you want, um, and it just makes it super interesting. And and again, this is where when you ha- if when you have a good DM, a lot of those issues about um, uh, you know conflicting uh, like internal conflict and 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 right and like prejudice and things can actually play right. out in game to the comfort of, of your players, of course. But mm-hmm. um, you can actually, as a player, experience those things, and it's fascinating mm-hmm. to to see people work through those things in this fantasy world. So that's the last of the races that's included in the player's handbook. As we mentioned, there are tons of other sources out there, more races that we haven't even talked about, a bunch of sub races that aren't included in the player's handbook. You have the universe available to you, but if you are just getting started and want to know 
um, you know, what you should be looking at when you're picking a race, then looking at what the ability score increase is and looking at these special little features and abilities that you get with each race is exactly where you should get started. Yeah. Is there maybe, yep. maybe just quickly, is there any race? What's your favorite race or, or no, not favorite, but what do you think is like, is like a race we haven't talked about. That's a really great race. Anna, do you have one? A race we haven't talked about Asimar. I was going to say that too. Yeah. <laughs> Asimar are fucking You get crazy. to fly. Come on. You get to fly. You're resistant yeah. to necrotic and radiant damage. You can heal people once per long mm-hmm. rest and you can sprout wings and do cool shit with them. Yeah. So come on. I've got to say Warforge, even though it's a, it's a, it's kind of an advanced race to use in some ways. Um, I think it does lend itself to a really cool background and an interesting background and really does force your DM to say like, I don't know, as row persons here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's that that's that machine creature uh, yeah. we were talking about from Eberron. Yeah. And also mm-hmm. listen to Baxi. Who doesn't want to play this yeah. giant cat person? Yeah. Um, the Baxi rogues are fucking amazing. Look it up. Yes. So. Yeah. All right. Well, class is dismissed. <laughs>